for a season. We at the lows, wrists like Chris, cardio stones. Little baby lit, I'ma take her home. Pants on chill, we on the road. Look, we done grow. You a out in your soul, them and soul. Shoot to legit, we done come to the grow. When you really rich on a Sunday, your bank don't close. Cat like you pressing, but trust me, you gon' get your lesson. Nobody gon' know your direction. Don't let them know which one you working. They cook like you blessing. Don't show your hand, let them keep guessing. Dripping is giving fluorescence. I came with the dressing. Keep God in my presence. I cross bulletproof and protected. You can shoot if you want, learn a lesson. Got your hoe in my possession. You don't hit it right when she pull up, we sexy. I'm bossing that pussy, no question. What it is, what it do, what's popping? It's your boy Marquise Q back in the building. Yo, 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 what's good in the hood? It's your boy Raider Rashawn. We back. And it's your boy Easy E R I P to the OG. Welcome back, neighborhood. Welcome back, welcome back. It's been been a while since we dropped a podcast. There's been a lot of leaked music that's been going on lately. I was thinking that we were gonna be a victim next and niggas gonna beat the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> if that, niggas will lead the podcast. <laughs> that might be what happening now. You never know. We're living in scary times with niggas leaking podcasts at this point. <laughs> hey, if they ever get the day, uh, what is it? The Daystar BR, we're going to be in trouble. That's all I'm going to say. We're going to be in trouble. Oh my God. <laughs> I hope they don't find that. We still got that in the vault. <laughs> oh my God. We got, we got more than that in the vault. I'm telling you. Bro, all of the music we've been getting. Like, what's y'all most anticipated leak that y'all been, like, receiving? I think, what, Nudie got leaked. I think it was, like, 175 songs. Gunner got leaked. Thug got leaked. Playboy Cardi got leaked. He got Ooh. hit the most, I think. <laughs> Playboy Cardi, I think, got, like, 130 songs leaked. It's just insane. What? Don't Playboy always get his music leaked, though? Playboy wasn't even surprised. He probably accounted yeah. for this already, like, taxes. <laughs> I think um, Pierre Bourne said that uh, on an interview with uh, Jeans, he said, like, bro, I feel bad for Cardi. They was like, why do you feel bad for Cardi? It was like, bro, you just always getting weak. <laughs> 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 he said, bro, it's not even like, it's like funny at first, but like, now that shit is aggravating. <laughs> but how is that even possible, though, is my question. It's it's a hole in the wall somewhere in that, in that camp. That's Absolutely. Yeah. And somebody That's needs to plug it. I think Jack Hollow said on um, backstage pass with ESTG, he said had to stop sending music out. Um, someone fucked around and leaked it or some shit like that. I'm not gonna lie, I appreciate the leakers, you know, because these these artists feel entitled to hold on to this music, and then what happens is people people die and they get caught up in the states, and then we never get to hear it. So shout out to the leakers for leading the crusade. You know, we've got some hit underground songs. Uh, we can, t- you know, the whole care package was all, you know, you can call it leak underground music or whatever. So shout out to them, man. Let's go after you. Yeah, I heard. I heard TSU. I definitely, I definitely remember when I heard TSU. I think it was like twenty twenty December twenty twenty, and then what CLB dropped like well August of twenty twenty one. So I heard it like months before, like it was even on CLB. So, but I don't know. Like, how do y'all feel about like there like certain leaks like that y'all would not listen to? Because I was talking to this one guy. He was like, um, I told him, I said, bro, I know somebody got a Utopia leak. And he was like, bro, like. If the Utopia leaked, I probably wouldn't even listen to it. Like, because I just want to wait. Because it's been like, what, 2018, World since we got like a Travis Scott album? Like, mm-hmm. is there like any artists that y'all have in mind that if they did, if this shit did get leaked, y'all probably wouldn't listen to it? I feel like I used to feel that way about uh, Drake. And this is going back to like 2015. So, you know, I, at least I feel like everything he was doing was real cinematic. And so I didn't want to like have a piece of the pie and then like have to wait for forever, you know, like, that cliffhanger effect. So, I say like as of right now, probably not. But now that you mentioned Travis Scott, just the anticipation behind Utopia, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't spoil that for nothing. I need the entire experience. Yeah, I would probably say, uh, I don't know. That's a tough question. The only, I would probably say I will used to say this about the uh, lost and forgotten Kendrick and Cole tape, wherever that is, because I'm pretty sure it's already recorded, but. Yeah, I probably would say like five years ago from not, like five years before, I would say I wouldn't want to listen to it. But if somebody sent me the Cole and Kendrick leak tape right now, I'm listening to it immediately. I ain't going to even care. So I don't know. You got to think, like, it's probably not going to be like there forever. And shit, they might not even drop it forever if it like, gets leaked. So shit, you got to get it while you can get it. <laughs> <laughs> no cap. Bro, 
I think like the last like major leak, um, like major leaks that we got like before like this most recent one was when like niggas like leaking Donda, when like he was going on tours or whatnot, and like niggas like trying to send songs from like the stadiums or whatever. Like that was like the last major like leak like escapade that I remember like happening for. Real. Yeah, and it was like different versions too. I think some of these artists be be doing it on purpose though. What do you think? I think Eric. You remember we had this discussion a, a, a while ago. I remember me and you was talking about this, about these artists leaking their music on purpose just yeah. to get their fans riled up. Like, I don't, I don't know. You know Playboy. You're a Playboy fan, you know what I'm saying? I fought a Playboy as of recently. I feel like I'm a new Playboy fan. But I low-key be feeling like Playboy be doing it on purpose a little bit. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Somebody in his camp or something. Like, I don't know. What I, what I feel like I can tell you confidently is that Playboy Cardi is Probably not leaking his own music on purpose. However, I do feel like it's part of the campaign and part of the regime. Like I feel like he was like the crusader when it came to this type of clout music. And clout music comes from like the snippets and that builds like that cold effect. So I feel like he definitely kind of pioneered this and I would even say people are doing this on purpose. I think you remember I said like I kind of feel like I stand on that ground where like that's how people are kind of building their fandom. Like the, the hype. Always getting caught up in the hype. And you know, to their credit, it's definitely working. Shit, it got me. You know what I'm saying? That's Playboy Cardi and everything that he's just done as an artist. Like, even down to you telling me about Opium, Sean, which I'm just, I'm so surprised I just didn't hear about that at the time that you spoke of, uh, about his label. But, yeah, man, his his reach, like, in about three years, we're going to really have to talk about it. Playboy Cardi's reach? Definitely. The album that you uh, discredit or dislike, Whole lot of Red? It's, it's touching lives. Right. It's changing people. <laughs> for the better or for the worse? Hey, look at look at the opium label, and then you tell me, man. <laughs> them boys on fire right now. Bro, ain't no boys about to get here, Rico. Oh, <laughs> ooh, damn! I, I definitely saw some words like. YSL was first, and then Opium next, some shit like that. I didn't even <laughs> the thing about it is, I didn't even know Playboy Cardi had a label until Sean told us he had a label. Bruh, I feel like y'all boys knew that. I feel like y'all just didn't know it was as serious as it was. No, I can I can hundred percent say I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because if you would have asked me, like, if I would have known who these artists were back then, and no, like, I didn't know about these artists until you told me that day, and I was like, okay, Destroy Lonely, Homicide, okay, boom, like, nah, I didn't know these dudes. Q, have you, ta- have you taken a chance to check out some of these artists? I listen to Ken Carson, I, bro, I listen to Ken Carson, <laughs> Ken Carson horror. Um, okay, so you tapped in, hey, you, you make it seem like you ain't tapped in at all. Yeah. Ken Carson horror, I think, um, so that's it, though. no, it's definitely it. <laughs> Shit, that's that's halfway there, really, really. Bro, I think um, bro, uh, Tar uh, Tarif was uh telling me about that too. Um, I think I listened to, I listened to Project X. Um, then, yeah, I mean that's pretty much it. I think extended. I listened to extended too a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Outside of that, I really, I'm not really a Playboy Cardi fan, so it makes really, it really doesn't make sense to me to listen to Playboy Cardi's artist, in my opinion, but. You know, I really can't put that on them because they play both parties artists, but I don't know, man. It's just, it's kind of weird. I really can't explain that. Like, it's just personal preference. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird. weird. Come on, man. Uh, it's kind of weird why I, I just don't like Playboy Cardi and, like, the music he makes, but I understand, like, he's got a big reach. Like, he's got, you know, a legit fan base, but it's not for me, though. <laughs> it's just not for me. Yeah. Q's not a vamp, neighborhood. If you didn't know, now you know. Definitely not a vamp. But yeah. What else is going on in the world? Um, shit. I think uh there's been like a lot of music that's been dropping. Well, there's a lot of music that has dropped this year. Um I think with the time that we're gonna drop this uh podcast, it's probably gonna be like right before the new year uh comes about. So what's some of y'all like favorite like albums that's like dropped throughout the year? I think when we first were like brainstorming about this and like put in our notes, we were gonna like choose a top three. And they're like, Can you put a top three like throughout the year? Because we got a lot of music. We had Kendrick, we had Beyonce, we got Brent, we got SZA coming up. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's been a good amount of music. So we had Jid, mm-hmm. we had Freddie Gibbs. That Jid album was hard. 
right? What the Forever Story? The Forever Story, definitely. That might be album of the year, like in terms of rap album, like in terms of like bars, pen. Very, very solid project. If y'all haven't listened to a neighborhood, please go out and listen to that project. That very underrated project. Not, not enough people talking about it. For real, for real. I ain't gonna lie to you. I've got another one for y'all. And y'all had negative feelings about this initially, but I want to know if how I want to know how it's aged on you. Jack Harlow's "Come Home, The Kids Miss You." Where do y'all stand? Uh, I still feel like I'm. You. I'm only. I just want to say it's just up for Grammy consideration at this point, too, by the way. So, you know, with that in the, in the back of your head and with your own preference, how do you feel? I feel like I still feel like I did back when we did the the broken records on it. I can go back and listen to uh, to be to be sure what I gave the rating on. But I'm not I'm pretty sure I didn't give it over a, a nine and a half or nothing like that. I still feel the same about the project. I feel like the project was good. I feel like it was decent. I feel like it was more of a collection of good songs instead of a like a cohesive project like his first one. So I still feel the same. What about you, Q? Uh, I, it really didn't stick with me for real. And I don't think we did a broken records on that one, Sean. I think we did a broken records on um the the first one, right? First album. Yeah. yeah see, you see what I'm saying? That album wasn't good enough. He ain't even got a broken record. You see what I'm saying? Eric? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> So that's what that's what they all say, yeah. But that's what they all say is, I'm not gonna lie, bro. Like Eric, to your point about how I feel about the album, I feel like I have to bring this up too. He got kind of put in that like sophomore slump of artists that drop like a great first project, but they like fall off from like the second one when they drop. And I think when I think about that, I think of um, Corday. A lot of people didn't like um, from a bird's eye view. Uh, Roddy Rich. We talk about Roddy Rich's um quote-unquote fall-off uh, with um, Live Life Fast. And I feel like he kind of got put in that, like, circle, like, artists that, like, dropped, like, great first projects, but they hit that, like, sophomore project, and it's like, you know, it's like they it's like they did so good on the first one that anything they do afterwards not going to, like, match up. But I don't, you know, personally, like, take that into account when I'm judging it. But I feel like the songs were, like, definitely good, but I feel like, it got overshadowed with Churchill Downs with Drake. I feel like that was like the main song that people were talking about. Um, the main song that like got the most hype behind it. Um, other than like First Class, um, that was a good song too. And but I feel like if you don't really know like the like the hits of it, like Churchill Downs, First Class, yeah, uh, stuff like that. Like I don't think it really stuck, stuck with a whole lot of people because I mean we're not really talking about it. It's not really something that you know is like still amongst like conversation. But to your point, is nominated for a Grammy, and I think he's nominated for Lyricist of the Year as well. So I know a lot of people are mad that Jack Harlow was amongst like I think Kendrick, Drake, and some other like actual like lyrical people, and it was like, what the hell is? It was like the like the all ball out. So yeah, I, he it's, it's not one of my top albums of 2022. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of tough on him. And you know, and just to be clear, we're we're classifying a slump as like your first project was here. And your second project is a step below. So I feel like in totality of like everybody that's in that sophomore slump, he's at the top. Like, is this project better than Roddy Rich's? That was a question. Which which Roddy Rich project? The one that just dropped or Live Life Fast? Live Life Fast. Live Life Fast. Uh yeah. It's better than Live Life Fast. Do you said otherwise? I would say so too. I would agree with that. Yeah, and then uh, Corday, you know, his project versus this, which one would you pick? Corday's. Yeah, I'd pick Corday's over this one. Yeah, okay. And I'm leaning the other way. But I just feel like, you know, as far as on the lyricist point, I feel like I see the effort there. But I also can see what you're saying, Sean, about a collection of songs. Initially, when I first listened to this project, I didn't, I didn't really understand what that phrase meant. But you can have a whole bunch of good songs that don't all fit an overall theme of an album and i can kind of get what you're saying that it's like a like you were just looking at this project you're not really sure what the overall message is other than jack's trying to rap so i can definitely see where you're coming from and when you're comparing it to you know his first album but i was really curious about how you guys feel about that because i feel like if i had to think of a sleeper album for me for 2022 it would be this one right here yeah if i had to say what my sleeper album is it'd probably be that pretty gives album um sold sold separately like i don't think enough people like 
are willing to talk about or maybe they're just shying away from like Freddie Gibbs like talent. And I think I remember um Sean was playing uh what was the album? Um Alfredo or something like that. And I was like, bro, like, who the hell is this nigga? And like ever since then, bro, I've been tapped into him. Like he makes like real like like real soulful music. Like his rapping, his like pens like, you know, um actually like like that. When he got his like whole beef like being the butcher and all that, I feel like that kind of like strayed away from the attention. Now it's kind of like people know Freddie Gibbs from like getting beat up before he performed in Buffalo, New York, and that's kind of like <laughs> you know what all he's known for now. But like the nigga really can't like spit, bro. Like Freddie Gibbs, like Soul Soul Separately. Eric, have you listened to Soul Soul Separately? Uh, look, I haven't because it's not even coming off memory right now. Yeah, you not fuck, you not fuck with it, Eric. Jeez, nah, I actually got more ammunition, so whenever you want to, I, I, you know what I'm saying, but hey. Jeez. I feel like we're talking about this every other podcast. Because that shit was just straight up disrespectful what that nigga did. I'm not going to lie, though. You want to talk about, like, best albums out of 2022? Like, it's almost dry. has to be up there. It has to be up there. You want to talk about one of the best albums? What makes it the best? Bro, you got to think of, like, Pusha T's, like, influence still, like, right now in the rap game. It's not like he's, like, dropping, like, every so often. I kind of put him, like, along with Nas, because, like, with the whole, like, relevancy in hip-hop, and we actually get into this later if we want to, but Pusha T's not, like, a relevant, like, figure in hip-hop. Like, that's already, like, well all, like, said and done. Like, that's, that's a no-brainer. But the fact that he can drop an album and still, like, compete and, like, still, like, keep up with, like, the new age music and whatnot, I just feel like it's almost dry. Like it's nominated for a Grammy as well, I think, for rap album of the year. But I know Eric doesn't um, you know, vote with the Grammys at all. But outside of that, I just think it's like a great project, bro, that tells a story. Like I remember I watched like an interview. I watched a Drink Champs interview with him and um Nori and a DJ FN and he was talking about how um Pharrell was like trying to get him into like that dark and like spooky place. He was like, I think Pharrell like made him like rewrite rewrite a lot of the songs because I think he said like Pharrell's production or I'm gonna say Pusha T's like lyrics didn't match Pharrell's production. Like I think they said they watched like The Dark Knight and like was studying the Joker and all that to like get into like that anonymous um like that spooky like kind of you know like essence of whatnot environment. And I just think that you guys be telling the music, like, bro, like, this is the music that tells a story. He's, like, talking about, you know, he's still talking about selling cocaine and whatnot. Like, that's probably, he probably never gonna stop doing that. But, bro, like, I don't know, bro. It's like it's got, like, the old school, like, kind of, like, feel to it. But it's also, like, modern. So, I don't know, bro. If you haven't listened to it, you know, you're, you're missing out, in my opinion. Definitely. I definitely fought with that project, too. I fought that project, too. I will have to say, I will have to say, though. This year has definitely been a great year for music, but Future, I Never Liked You, is probably, it has to be up there in top three best projects that dropped this year. Like, even though I know it got a lot of songs that was on the charts, a lot of songs that was played out a lot, it still was a good project, bro. Like, it definitely was a good project. And uh, I don't know if y'all boys know, Boston Richie. One of his uh, new artists from uh, Tallahassee, he signed the future. He he just dropped a project a few months ago too. His project is pretty good, also. Y'all need to check that out. It was definitely, definitely solid project. No cap. They recently dropped a music video together. Yeah, that that okay. I, I feel like that was like uh yeah a month or two ago. I feel like I've seen or at least I've seen of him. I need to tap in. Yeah, he hard for sure. He definitely next up. And he like he got he got motion outside of future like, no cap, future just adding adding on to the success. I ain't gonna lie. Hey, if you're not doing so already, make sure y'all boys tap into real Boston Richie. Never got tap in. I'm not familiar with his music at all. 
Definitely. I like to say he like a blend of Kodak and Pooh Shiesty. That's how that's how his music sounds. Somebody gotta like it. I think one of the better albums that I don't think people expected to be good, you know, um RIP takeoff, but uh, only built for uh Infinity Links. That was a surprisingly good album. <laughs> Great project. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, it was solid. These boys are about to have some serious motion. Like, it just, you know, narrative, if we're just putting the narrative in perspective, you know, given the the breakup of the Migos, Quavo and Takeoff, looking Pew, yeah, they was about to, they was about to really show, show like where they stand as individuals in the rap game for real. Because yeah, a lot of people view them as the collective of the Migos. And, you know, unfortunately, just given the circumstances, that might be the way, like, they might be ultimately perceived, like, but their rap personas live on. Be amongst, I mean, live on beyond the, the group of amigos. Like Quavo has been doing his own thing for a while. Like I remember he dropped that uh, joint project with Travis Scott way way back. Uh, I think it was called Jack Concho. And take mm-hmm. off, he's, he's dropped his own projects as well. I feel like this is just this album is going to be so huge for them. But I feel like too that I think a lot of people are like doubting like the quality of this album going to be because, like you said, like they were known for like the amigos and. I think uh, when they went on Dream Champs, they Nor was like, I, I didn't think it was going to be that good. Like you said, because I didn't know it was going to be like Migos, it was going to be like Neff and Few. I didn't know it was going to be like Quavo and Takeoff. Like, it's hard to go from a trio and just do a duo and kind of like people are expecting that third voice in it, which is going to be offset. But to not hear it at all, you know, I'm not, I, I think people were kind of doubting it. And I ain't going to lie, that, um, that song they had with Birdman, Big Stunner, or something like that. That shit yes, was sir. so garbage. I said, bro, this is what the album gonna sound like. <laughs> they can definitely keep it. <laughs> that shit was too booty. <laughs> well, on the contrary, you got a song like Bars in the Captions, where I feel like they flipped that uh that uh big boy Andre three thousand sample really at the outcast all together. They they flipped that sample super well. Yeah, like we had a we had this conversation like off air, but you definitely was like, you know, one of the last people to see, you know, <laughs> The Meek, well, I'm going to say the Meek goes because, you know, they perform together. But you was definitely one of the last people to see, like, just take off, like, you know, before he passed away. Like, that's, that says a lot, bro. I ain't going to lie. If you, like, if it really hits you yet, that damn, like, I was one of, like, it's probably, like, the last time that, like, take off perform and I and I saw him. That shit got to be so surreal now. Like, you probably appreciate it more, like, now than you probably did, like, while you was there. You know, it's and it's so crazy because it was laid out like a movie. Like you would have thought I was walking into like something that they had set up for themselves. Like I get to Atlanta, all I see liars who are only built for infinity links splattered all across the grounds as we're walking into the um the festival. And man, I'm just like, bro, it would be so crazy if they pop out. And little do we know, you know, right after one of the headlines performed, I'm hearing I'm hearing bars in the captions. If you don't know bars in the caption, um, it's like a sample of the Outcast song. It's escaping me right now. So fresh and so clean. That's what it was. They uh, sampled so fresh right. and so clean. So I'm like, damn, is they about to bring out Outcast? I was like, nah, this crowd, this crowd ain't ready for Outcast. Like, who could this be? And then lo and behold, it's Quavo and Takeoff going crazy. And you know, it was it was a short moment, but it was just like cool to see because this was the first time they was really popping their shit as a duo. So you know, here I am sitting here now, and you know, when we were talking about this, you know. It's, it was it was just crazy because I could just see just from that brief performance, they was about to go crazy, and we was just in Atlanta, and Atlanta didn't even know they was out there. Just imagine if they knew, the city would have been folded up behind them. Like it would have, I probably wouldn't even got in because I got there late. <laughs> so that that just speaks to the magnitude of where they was at, man. It, it was crazy. How do how do we feel? Uh, like because now like. Their life is completely different now. Their careers are going to be completely different now. Like Quavo and Offset, what do you think they go from here? That's a great question. I think, I think realistically, I think, you know, there might be some, there, there might be still pride there. And I'm saying this from the outside in, you know, I don't know what they have exactly going on, but there could be pride there that might, you know, keep them apart. But, you know, this, this was a tragic loss. And, you know, loss can sometimes bring family together. So, you know, I'm only hoping for the best. Um, Music wise, I'm not you know I'm not expecting them to go beyond what they've already said. Like I'm not expecting Quavo and Offset you know be the duo or anything like that. But I at least hope that they get on good terms, whatever that might look like for them. But 
music wise, I feel like it's Quavo's time. I feel like uh, Offset's kind of established like who he is as an artist, but Quavo still has like room to navigate and see like where he wants to go. I feel like he could hit another echelon or be like where he's at. So, yeah, I, I'm excited to see where that goes. Yeah, I think um, I really don't have to say anything else that Eric hasn't already said, but you know, definitely want you know the relationship between all of them to well between the two of them to you know grow stronger behind this. You know, it's definitely unfortunate, and you can tell that the boys was hurt. You know, behind the passing of you know their uh, their relative, you know, Quavo's nephew, Takeoff's cousin, um, Offset's cousin, so. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not really like, I don't got no high hopes for, you know, really anything for them musically. Um, I feel like it's going to come a time where they're going to have to have a, I ain't going to say they have to, but they're going to want to, you know, talk about maybe like just where they're at mentally, not so much about the situation, but, you know, how they've been like navigating after it and whatnot. But, I mean, this is like going to put it out there. There's, it's not going to be like, what it was before now, like the Migos, like if you're, if you're looking for them to make the music that they were making, like before now, it's not going to happen because, you know, like they were, they really weren't in this space, like before Takeoff passed away. So they're definitely not going to be in it, you know, after he passed and the fact that Offset's, um, I think he's scheduled to drop in 2023, like he's got his own solo project that got pushed back, you know, because of the passing of Takeoff. So like, I'm not expecting like Amigos, like, reunion and nothing like that because that's just unrealistic but i just hope that them boys like you know thrive and still are able to like you know be relevant in the music industry because they really have like done a lot for like hip-hop like really haven't seen a successful like rap duo like this like outside of you know outcast um ray schremer you know you can put them up there too but i feel like them boys are like accomplishing things that no like rap trio has done before so at the end of the day man uh, i'm glad that you know uh quavo and uh take all went on drink champs and got their flowers and you know people starting to realize that you know these guys are all legit like they actually like have like pioneered like a whole like sound like a whole flow of like you know the music that is still relevant today so at the end of the day like i really don't know where we go from here but you know it's, it's time to heal it's, it's time for you know those boys to heal and just all together, I think it's just, you know, time for, you know, us to hopefully, like, you know, not put any expectations behind them, but just support them in any way we can. Yeah, I definitely feel that. I feel musically, there should be no expectation, like, in terms of Migos fans and, like, because like you said, like you said, Q, they really ushered in a whole new flow. Like, back when we was in high school, we never heard nobody rapping like that before. These three niggas is rapping. They really sharing the beat. It's not really like they. It's not really like three niggas on a song. Niggas really sharing the beat, like coming in in the pockets and everything. So I feel like we definitely lost a legend. Like it really didn't hit me like at first, and I was just like, "Damn!" When you go back and actually think about it, like they really did. Like they really ushered in a, a new era, a new sound of hip hop for real, for real. And I definitely feel like. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be different now. But like you said, Quavo and Offset, they both they both super talented. I feel like they both at the end of the day they're gonna put those issues to the side. I don't think it's gonna be no reunion, kinda like what Q said. I don't I just feel like that's not real real realistic right now, to be honest. But I feel like they would do music in, in the future. I feel like they'll do music together. But in terms of like officially getting back together, yeah, I have to be with Cutie. I don't think uh, I think that's dead, to be honest. But as long as they really handle what they got to handle, I feel like everything will be on the up and up. But I don't know, man. Long live takeoff. Such a such a weird situation. Life is short, man. No cap. We're kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, we see there's a lot going on in like pop culture, kind of in the sports world. Um, we got Coach Prime catching some heat, and not in a good way. Um, <laughs> Deion Sanders. <laughs> Deion Sanders has cut ties with Jackson State University and has took his talents to uh, Colorado. Uh-huh. I feel like it's been the talk of the town for some time now, and I feel like we owe it to the neighborhood to give our opinions about it. So, you know, not all at once, but how do y'all feel about Coach Prime taking his talents to Colorado? I feel like the question 
you know, that's really been portrayed, especially across Twitter, you know, because that's where everybody has their most popular opinion nowadays. Um, it's It's been, if he's honored the word that he, I guess, said that he's going to have at Jackson State when he initially um, said the position, and if he's actually fulfilled it. And I feel like in totality, I feel like he's, he. I don't feel like, I don't feel like his goal was ever to push the HBCU agenda forward or anything like that. I feel like he just wanted to show everybody that he could, he could be that person. I feel like he might have been a little personally hurt because he didn't get the Florida State position. So, you know, in stance of, like, if I view this uh, elevation to Colorado as a good or bad thing, um, I feel like I feel like it's both. I feel like he put Jackson State on the map. I feel like he did a lot for that campus. He came out of pocket a lot just to put them, just, just put the university on. You know, it was the HBCU, and for him to provide what he did, I feel like that was fantastic. Um, but I feel like his time there was up. Um, based on from what I'm hearing, um, the university wasn't meeting them completely. And, you know, you got to decide when enough is enough for you as an individual and as a professional. So he went on to the next position. You know, of course, I'm definitely pushing the black agenda. I would have loved if the HBCUs could have worked this out. But, you know, he did what was best for him. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you said that, Eric. Um, I don't I don't know what's wrong with black folks sometimes. I, we the only people when people when people get a promotion, we upset. Why are we upset? Like, I want to ask everybody, bro. When is the last time a head coach from an HBCU got promoted to a Power Five job straight from being a like straight from being a head coach at HBCU? Like he a head coach at Howard. When have they ever got that opportunity before? I feel like. People are really just like, do we expect Dion to be at Jackson State for 15 years? Like, what, what do we expect to happen? Like, bro, that's what they wanted. That's what they did wanted. you did y'all see the the numbers that they said the how much money, uh, the city of Jackson, Mississippi, has uh, made since Dion Sanders has been there? No, he been there. He he got there in 2020. So technically, he been there, technically three seasons. I guess if you want to count the COVID the COVID season, but most people don't want to count that. So two official full seasons and the COVID year. So basically roughly three years. Since then, he has brought in a total of $30 million to just the city of Jackson. We're not talking about the school or ticket sale. We're just talking about the city of Jackson, Mississippi, $30 million. Coach, what, what? They was playing Dion, what, 500K? Which I'm saying, that's... That's that's really really good in terms of an HBCU coach, but let's be realistic, y'all. Like Eric said, he put a lot of he put a lot of his own money into the facilities. Like they changed the facilities around. Like they did, he did a lot of stuff for this program, and we 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 looking at all the minor stuff. Like he got college game day to come to Jackson State. Like I don't think we really like everybody's just kind of just skipping over that. Like that's a little feat or something. Like I feel like he's done all that he could do for Jackson State. Like Eric said, like, if you really tapped in and really been listening to the rumblings for real, for real, this really been talked about for a little minute. The Jackson State head of staff, they had some misunderstandings and all this other stuff. Uh, I don't know. You know how you know how black folk do. Huh? There's my people, so we can talk about it. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. You know how that, you know how that goes sometimes. So, And, and kind of like, like what he said, like, either you're going to be – uh, demoted, or you gonna be elevated? So, I I don't know. I feel like he I feel like he did everything he said he was gonna do. I thought at the end of the day, he showed that it could be done. Jackson State people will always remember Jackson State for football. Like it's gonna always it's gonna have that that standard there from now on. And I don't even know if people will see it. like some of the people that was on his staff, like they're gonna be probably staying there. So they're probably gonna try to create a culture. And dynasty, uh, like a program, real a real program there, and who knows with the transfer portal now, you could get these players that really don't have really good grades, get them to go to these HBCUs, and then you got a coach like Deion Sanders that's at a school like Colorado that they can transfer right in. I feel like everybody really not paying attention to the the full like the full scope of everything. We just see Deion left Jackson State, so he not for black people no more. I don't know. But there's another perspective I want to like bring into the conversation. So, um, you talked about the transfer portal and all that. Do you think that their players are still going to want to attend Jackson State, knowing that Dion is not there anymore? Because we know what he did like while he was there, and you know, I think 
they had some recruits that signed like before he even like you know officially like had the first like you know like like the day of the job. So do you think players are still going to be motivated to go to Jackson State even though Coach Prime is not there? Like realistically, I would say, I would say they can they can still ride the curtails of this effect like. Jackson State is still going to be in the spotlight for at least the next two years, two seasons, um, whatever that might look like as far as, you know, going forward depends on the success they might have. But there's, regardless of where they're at, like just the atmosphere for where a college athlete is, especially where NIL is, like they're going to they're gonna be okay regardless. I feel like their skill and talent plus the transfer portal is what can make the most out of your situation for you. Like look at someone like Bo Nix. He was at Auburn, ended up at Oregon, you know what I'm saying? Like, He's not having, like, bowl game seasons or anything like that, but he's still having an imprint. So I feel like there's still ways to get around it. And um, I feel like it's not just Dion's fault or responsibility for why an individual would want to go to the school. Like, you know, when athletes come for the recruiting, you know, they see the campus life and everything. So it's more – it's like what the university is offering. So at the end of the day, if players don't want to come to university, it comes down to, I feel like, what the campus is lacking. You know, not necessarily not offering, but what they're lacking. So I wouldn't – I'm not going to put that on Dion. I'm only going to hold him to what he says that he was going to do. And, you know, and it's up to you to determine, you know, whether you feel like he did that or not. But I'm not going to hold, like, the future of this football program on Dion Sanders. I feel like they're in a great spot to build. Like you guys were saying, if the, if the staffing is staying, then the culture should still be forming. And they can add to that. Yeah, I, I think it, I agree with what Eric said. I think it's going to be kind of 50-50. I feel – in these next two, three seasons, they're going to have to continue to win. Like, at the end of the day, the standard of excellence should still be the same. If they continue to win, then obviously that culture and that program is established. So I feel like people are going to still want to go play at Jackson State because at the end of the day, it's one of the top HBCUs to go play football at right now. So if anybody that's in high school that don't have that many offers or nothing like that and they feel like they under-recruited or whatever – They'll go to Jackson State and make a name for themselves. And then if they're doing good enough, they're going to try to transfer or do whatever. So I feel like it's 50-50. Like, they got the culture. They got the mantra. They got the I believe. They got the facilities. They got all this stuff. And, like, Prime took all that stuff with them. So at the end of the day, I feel like they got all that. So they got to win. Kind of like what Q's saying. Like, you know, nobody not going to want to go there if y'all not winning. So the kids going to want to come if they feel like the culture is still there. So I, I feel like only time will tell, really, really. Well, think about it like this. Say, like, you're a parent and your kid just committed to Jackson State and it's, like, whether well, sophomore, freshman year, and, like, the only reason they wanted to go to Jackson State was because of Coach Prime. Like, that's, you know, probably one of the main reasons that kids want to go to Jackson State because of Coach Prime. And then he leaves, like, right when, you know, I guess you're about to start, like, getting into your season whatever. And now if you want to transfer out, don't you have to wait like a whole year? Like once you like transfer like to another school, like don't you have to get redshirted? So how do you feel like from the kids' perspective? I know we're talking about like from the outside looking in, like we're like kind of like onlookers, but from like the actual kids that like went to Jackson State and only for the reason or main reason being that Coach Prime was there, it's kind of like Coach Prime just like you know like left like not literally left him, but like he's not a program no more. Like you put yourself in the shoes of like the kids that like went there for coach prime and not coach prime's not there anymore. It's kind of like, Oh, the only reason I came here because I wanted to be coached by coach prime. Like, how do you think, like, do you think that's fair for them or like, what do you think in that situation? Yeah, I think it's fair. I think it's fair now because I feel like time is everything. Like right. Kind of what we were talking about earlier, the transfer portal is different than how it was like a few years ago. Like, Nowadays, like these kids can transfer and play the very next season, kind of, kind of like how Spencer was able to do with how he came over here and played the very next season. So it's a little bit different now in terms of like the kids don't have to wait the red shirt nowadays. But it definitely, it's definitely tough. Like that's just that's just what it is. Like it's definitely probably sophomores that only went to Jackson State because of Deion Sanders. But uh. I feel like that's I feel like that's the business of, the, of college football, man. Like I feel like at first, how it was before the transfer portal uh, was revamped, like last year or whatever, it wasn't fair because these coaches could get up and leave and get offered any kind of money and get up and leave in the next day and not have nothing to say to the players and the players just locked in. So that's why I appreciate now that these players are getting nil deals or 
even able to transfer to programs and not have to wait a a redshirt year. But to answer your question, it's not it's not it's not easy, bro. It's definitely it's definitely fucked up. But at the end of the day, it's it's a it's a doggy dog world in the business of college football, really, really. I agree. I feel like you said it perfectly, Sean. That's the exchange of the business. You know, we added the NIL. So, you know, now we're going to we're going to handle things like a business. And, you know, it definitely sucks, you know, whatever your coach leave, if that's the reason why you came. But, you know, you go, you're going to have to ball out regardless whether Dion was on the field or not. So, you know, that's that. I thought like that's just the business of the game. So I completely agree. Wishing Dion the best and wishing any black coach the best and well, any black player, black coach, you know, whoever is on these HBCU campuses, the best of luck. Dude, speaking of campuses, real quick, let's shout out to the 3200, ain't it? Putting on for not the state, but the goddamn, goddamn mate, you heard me. Big brewing shit. Big no, brewing shit. God, <laughs> we not, that's what I'm saying, bro. Like, they don't want to know about them, bro. I think you thought we was going to shout out 3200? Come on. Come on, bro. Come on. State Come champs, on. man. We state champs for real. Like, that ain't even no cap. Real shit. That's funny as hell. People don't know how hard Coach Prince was building this program for this. I'm going to give this to – I'm giving this to Coach Prince. You better take it back to Coach Prince. Come on. I ain't going to cap. I ain't going to cap. Somebody going to have to call Coach Prince for sure and definitely dap up Coach so, Prince. Come on. So, you, so do you think Coach Prince, like, DeMar Jackson for, like, Golden State, like, do you think he built, like, the foundation? <laughs> and was it Coach Marler just came in and, like, benefited from it? Is that what you say right now? Coach Prince put a, he put a lot of groundwork in. Come on now, Coach Prince put that groundwork in. He won that region ring, you know. what I'm saying that was huge for us. That was huge for us. He laid the bricks for sure. He definitely laid the bricks. That 2015 season, 2015, no, 20, from 2014 to 2016 was crazy. But Prince yeah. had a formula. Now, after that, I can't account for. It. But there was definitely a foundation. The personnel, the personnel, the personnel was dwindled. That's all it was. Come on. No cap. Bro. Well, I think we like finished by what, 15 and 0? That quarterback, Lenore Sellers. Shout out to him, because that's that's a grown man. <laughs> like seeing him play in person versus like just hearing like the stuff you see on Twitter and whatnot, the highlights, like. And I, you know, people argue me about this now. I see, like, a lot of people saying, like, you know, because he committed to go to Syracuse on to play football next season. And it was like, if he was real, he would stay in state and he would go to, like, the USC at Clemson. I'm like, Lenora Sellers is too good for both of those schools. Like, USC, we beat Clemson, we beat Tennessee, and now we think we're ready to, like, compete with damn Alabama some show or Georgia. Like, bro, like, we had two great games. Like, I'm not taking away from that, but we haven't, like, showing that we can do this consistently. Like, anybody can get, you know, I'm not saying we got lucky, but it, did, it those two games didn't prove to me that Lenore still need to go to USC. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> being that he's from, like, you know, <laughs> being that he's from Flowtown, like, I really want to see him succeed as a, you know, professional and just as a person. And I don't think USC is able to do that for him right now. <laughs> yeah, I ain't going to count. I don't want people to, like, if he going to come here and for niggas to be, like, he asked nothing. Nah, he might as well go to Syracuse. Wherever he go, I'm getting a jersey. So it really don't even matter. He brought a state chip to the city. I'm fucking with him, bro. I ain't gonna cap. First one ever, I baby. Was, I would say, like, you know, if he's going to come back home, do it after he plays somewhere else. You know, and I'm just saying that for the fact that home's all USC's always gonna set you because of the fact that it is home. You know, everybody loves a good hometown hero or whatever. So, you know, I, I do employ him to get out of the state, just see what the world is like. I feel like it's important for anybody in South Carolina. If you have not gotten out of the state, not traveled, definitely do that. Open your eyes, open your horizons, and just see what's really out there as far as opportunity-wise. Um, but, you know, USC is a the developing program, like he was mentioning and getting to. You know, you don't want to just think this is not a plug-and-play system. Like, we are, USC is definitely still trying to figure this out. Um, you know, going into next year, you know, we're hope, they're hoping to build on that success. But... You know, I just feel like he definitely needs to, you know, allow these offers to come out to him. You know, if USC comes out good, it always knows that you got hometown in your pocket. Can't beat that. Right. And the thing is, he wouldn't even be playing next season. He went to USC because Spencer Rattler going to be at USC again yep. next year. So it's kind of like, do y'all really want this man to succeed? I just want him at USC to say he just stay at home. Like, we have to stop being selfish about what we want from our young black athletes. And I think, um, bruh. 
John, you remember when that guy was talking to us after the game and said that <laughs> Lenore said it's going to be big as Carmelo Anthony when we go to Syracuse? <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, he said he's going to be the next biggest thing to ever come out of Syracuse. And I can't lie, bro. Like, who else came out of Syracuse after Carmelo Anthony? <laughs> Jeremy Grant, Michael Carter Williams. You can you can leverage their own success, but I feel what they say. That's high expectations. But he definitely he definitely on pace to be the he definitely on pace to be one of the greatest Syracuse football players though. Like he really could not be even that. in the program yet. That's yeah. tough. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> he's that he's that guy. He's that guy, Eric. I wish I could six four quarterback, what two fifteen, like two hundred fifteen pounds, bro. Getting everything he wanted on the field, bro, and he was slinging that rock. Like, bro, come on, bro. They say he has sixty touchdowns on the year, forty wow. passing, twenty rushing. Yeah, he was he was going crazy. Coach Prince would have loved him. <laughs> Coach Prince said we didn't want three state yeah, championships when he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> no cap. I hope that I really hope South Florence can like really like build upon like this dynasty because he's got like a younger brother who was the wide receiver there, um, Jaden Sellers, and he he was true too. Like that boy got hands. Um, they should they should probably should check his gloves in the middle of it to make sure he ain't had glue in his hands or somebody the way he was catching the ball. Um, I think he has like also a younger younger brother. I think he's in middle school right now. So I'm gonna lie, bro. Like the sellers kind of own South Florence right now. Like me and Sean, uh, we know we know Coach Sellers, and like we should have known then that you know Sellers was legit. Definitely, It'd definitely be some sellers running around the South Side. I get, I definitely give them that. <laughs> Literally, it be some sellers running around for sure. Definitely. Come on now, bro. I think we uh was talking about um I think somebody said the word exchange, and that kind of like um made me gear towards you know. DG coming home with that prisoner exchange. Um, some people are happy. Some people are upset. But regardless, Brittany Griner is coming back to the United States. Um, how we how how do we feel about that gentleman? Like everybody was screaming, like we need to have BG home or whatnot. Like we need to, you know, free BG. But now it seems like now that she's free, it's kinda like we've been getting some big reviews on, you know, different platforms or whatever. So, you know, how how do we feel about what came for Brittany Griner coming home? This took an extremely long time to happen. You know, I'm not really sure how these exchange processes work, but it's not like she had a bomb. She didn't have guns. She didn't have a, a person. She had THC. Like, that's crazy. Russia knows better. They were trying to do a power move, and I feel like this was, this, this went on for completely long. But, you know, as far as the exchange, I am I ultimately glad that she is home. Yeah, extremely. Yeah, it took way too long, bro. Like they at this point, I'm really feeling like they just played in our face for ten months. To be real, like if this was gonna be the outcome, we could have just did this because didn't this story break like four months ago? Like didn't this story break? Like it was the yeah. same. It was an arms dealer like the first time too, right? And then they yeah. said they lost Brittany Griner in Russia. Like I don't know what that was about. Like. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we don't, don't know, know what that. No cap. That was that was ridiculous. I don't know what that was about. First of all, as soon as they said that, I already knew Russia was bluffing. I'm like, okay, now. Well, I can't say I knew. I was hoping and praying, fingers crossed. But I was just like, I don't know. I just feel like it was just, I don't know, bro. Like, really disappointing. And I really, I can't even say this is his own Biden because this, this is not just a Biden thing. Like Eric said, this is not the first time we have had to deal with one of these exchanges before like stuff things like this go down a lot of the time with people we just don't even know about but very important people so like kind of like what eric's saying like this was kind of very long and drawn out like it's a basketball player and she had thc like let's be real bro russia knew what they were doing yeah absolutely absolutely this was definitely tied to I ukraine think- <laughs> so they got mad. They got their I ass the beat by Ukraine, mm-hmm. and we—that's all it was. And we helped Ukraine. That's all it was. They got their ass goddamn beat out, and they didn't know what, what to do. But I think the main thing I've been seeing people get upset about is that apparently there's like some like marine that is also a prisoner. I guess he got caught being a spy or whatever. And I guess people are upset that we gave 
a, a guy that's considered a merchant of death in exchange for us receiving the WNBA, you know, basketball player. And we still have, you know, that Marine that's, you know, been sitting there longer. So the merchant of death. Okay. Okay. That's his name. I feel like that's a real tough situation. Yeah. That's a day. That's what they call him. The merchant. They of call death. him the merchant of death. You see what I'm talking about? That's what, bro. We, we, bro, we bogus. I don't know what the world wrong with us, bro. Yeah. But I've never uh, heard this Marine guy that they're talking about. Me uh, either. Y'all, y'all uh, know who this guy is? <laughs> no. But it's, I think, it's a bunch of prisoners of war out there, but I don't, that one specifically, I don't know. <laughs> and I think that the main thing is, like, we got all these, like, I don't want to, like, call out a certain, like, political party, but we have those, like, people that are, like, upset. And like, you know, saying that, why do we even bring Brittany Griner home and she doesn't even respect the flag? I'm like, what are y'all, what the hell are y'all talking about? Like, respect the flag. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I heard something that was like, I bet you stand up for the national anthem now. Like, bro, what are y'all talking about? Absolutely not. <laughs> bro. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand some people, bro. Like, if we still talking about respecting the flag and yeah, so some people are still living in 2013 and it really shows. And that's, that's, that's really sad. <laughs> well, people still live in 1913. <laughs> All I'm going to say is Russia is going to do a space jam. They don't copy Britain, uh, ring genetics. The next Olympics is about to be crazy. I heard, I heard she was over there coaching them too. So we, we, we about to really see what Russia's up to in the next few years for sure. That is all. We have Brittany Brown's home. I hope people can, you know, let stuff, you know, alone, you know, like be alone because at the end of the day, like none of this stuff affects like our day to day. Like I don't know if people like are expecting like Brittany Brown to come knock on their doorstep telling them like personally thank you, but it's not happening. Like you have to think about how traumatic that was to be in Russia, um, like on foreign soil. Like she probably was getting like I ain't gonna say she was getting tortured, but I heard like threats that she was gonna be working sixteen hour days. Gonna be in like a homophobic misogynistic. They put her in little cages, bro. Yeah, bro. This is another thing too. I'm glad Sean was talking about uh, like Russia bluffing. They said it was gonna make her work 16 hour days and put her in a homophobic and misogynistic environment. I said, what the hell? What the hell is that? They made that spot just for her. (laughs) I said, put her in a homophobic and misogynistic environment. What they look like? Like, what does that even mean? <laughs> like, y'all just trying to they're like y'all just trying shit at this point. Y'all just trying shit. Y'all bored? Like, come on, bro. Them boys said they basically replicated a small town in Alabama and they gonna put Brittany Griner right in the middle. That's what it sounded like. That's what they was gonna do. But I was like, bro, is before did this even happen though, like would this story be even relevant if it wasn't Brittany Griner though? Now, if this is a regular right. U.S. citizen, and this happened to, like, we wouldn't even know nothing about it. Right, because we don't know nothing about the other prisoners of war. But I heard a lot of niggas saying that if it was, like, LeBron James or some shit like that, then we would already be in World War Three or some shit. So, I guess it's, like, two sides of the coin. Like, you know, it probably would be somebody lesser that, you know, they probably won't, like, like make no headlines. But if it was somebody, like, you know, of higher status, like LeBron James, somebody like that, then they probably wouldn't have took this long, so... But at the end of the day, it's, it is what it is. It's gonna be what's gonna be, and it doesn't affect your day to day. So stop stressing it. <laughs> hey, on the on the other side of the Phoenix coin, though, um, we recently heard uh, we we just had a sporadic uh, moment from Kanye West recently, or let me refer to it as the proper name, Yay. And I just he just fired, definitely, he just fired off shots. Yeah. Baby Q, you can elaborate on it a little bit, but I know there's a Phoenix connection somewhere. Help me find it. <laughs> hey man. Kanye said before he got his uh, Twitter deactivated that he caught a gentleman in the bed with his uh with his ex-wife. And I'm not gonna say no names because we already said Kanye because that's what we're talking about. But Kanye said that he found a gentleman in the bed with his ex-wife, and we all know this gentleman very well. <laughs> and right now, I don't know what's going on in that household, but I hope God's somewhere in it. <laughs> Mid range is crazy. Mid range been deadly since since he stepped into the league. Eric. You see what I'm talking about? You gotta watch out for that mid range. 
I'm just gonna say this puts 30 hours from Life of Pablo in complete perspective at this point. <laughs> like, I I get it, I get it. And then you hey, you know who got credits on that too? And he trolling hard. He he's really terrorizing people. I'm not gonna lie. I have to call Drake out on this. Drake tar- he's not targeting, but it's easy for him to troll people with mental trauma. That's all I'm going to say. Like people that have mental handicaps in the same capacity that Kid Cudi was at the time, they were beefing, and Kanye West now. What Drake is doing is bullying, and he does need to stop this. Hold on, Drake is bullying? Bruh, he definitely is playing with these guys. He's playing with their head. He's like this whole CP3 thing, like, or even him sleeping with Kim Kardashian, like. Drake knows that Kanye West is just going to get upset just out the thought of it. So he's just trolling these guys. And he needs to stop. He needs to be the bigger person. That's all I'm going to say. Bro, we have to remember that I feel like Drake's bullying is always like premature. Like we don't know that he's bullying until like stuff like this happens. Because at yeah. one point, didn't like him and his team or you know, the people he was with have on a bunch of CP3 jerseys when <laughs> CLB's about to drop? And everybody was like... Oh, I don't need that on the jersey for them. Shit's hard. But now that we know what we know now, the drawing connections be like, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> bruh, that nigga Drake really is goaded, bruh. That nigga already doing some goaded. <laughs> that, that's that's funny. Like that's that's some shit that's gonna be in a documentary years from now. Bruh. The last time that I've seen something like that happen with like a rapper like war, like a basketball player jersey like that, is when Parker oh, and Kyrie Irving were beefing <laughs> over Kalani. And, and part of their door wore that man's jersey when he was performing. Like, but the thing that's unfair about that, bro, as a basketball player, you can't even get back at that nigga like that. Like, there's no legal way you can get back at that nigga doing that. What? What you gonna do? Drop seventy? What to to his song to his song playing in the background? You gonna do a workout to his song in the morning? Like, come on, bro, you ain't gonna be able to do that. Bruh, that shit was bad. Bro. <laughs> What I don't know what's been going on with with the celebrities be going back and forth, but I, I'm pretty sure y'all seen. I know we had touched on a little bit earlier, but we were talking about uh, relevancy and all that. You, I, did y'all see what Twenty One had to say about uh, Nas? Definitely, that nigga not good. <laughs> you heard what Kodak said about Twenty One? You said he was smoking dick for saying Nas is irrelevant, <laughs> bro. But I understood. I understood what Twenty One was saying though. Yeah. Definitely. We all definitely understand. I feel, I feel like we all understand what 21 was saying, but you have like the clickbait people that just want to like make something out of nothing. Like, bro, and I was talking to um, my provider, uh, Brandon, and he, but Brandon's from New York though, so he just think that everybody from New York is like relevant in hip hop because that's all he listens to is like New York drill and shit like that. But, bro, like, Nas is not mart is not relevant in modern hip hop. Like, I'm sorry. Like, we don't hear about Nas until Facts. you got a drop or until hip. And to, or until Hit Boy like like say like I'm in the lab with Nas on um, we about to drop another King Disease um album but like bro like Nas is a great rapper and like I said earlier like, I put him like amongst like you know Pusha T or like you know somebody's like an OG in hip hop but like bro like nobody talking about Nas on a dead day like I promise you I think I did I think I saw like a poll on this or something like, on social media when people said that when people heard the word Nas like just Nas in general they think a little Nas X they're not thinking about Nasir Jones. Oh my god! Right there, that, yeah, that just tells you right there, like the relevancy that Nas has, or that that or that he doesn't have, like in today's hip hop. And I feel like even if you ask like kids that are in high school, they they know of Nas. So I feel like that to even a in it in itself says a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like they probably don't know a Nas song, but they know who Nas is. I feel like. People get relevancy and influence confused. Like, I feel like Nas is probably one of the most influential uh, spitters, rappers, like, of our, of probably of all time, really, really. Like, Illmatic is one of the greatest projects, rap projects ever, low key. So, like, I don't know. I, I feel like we all understood what he was saying, but in modern rap, modern hip hop, like, Nas isn't relevant. Like that doesn't take away from his influence, though. Like, that's not what we're saying. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, I feel like he's 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 revered, and you know, if you were to step into the uh, rap industry, like if you're actually rapping the game, like you know, you know the pedigree, you know the hierarchy, you know, you got the Nas, you got the Jay Z, you have like the OGs in that collective. So when it comes down to rapping the foundation, there's always like the respect that I feel like they have to pay. 
Um, but just like how you said, modern hip hop now is it's different. It's completely different. So you know, we hear about it when it drops, but you know the way that the music genre is moving now, like Nas doesn't move in that same way. He's not campaigning in the same effort. That's just, that's just the bottom line of it. But him and uh, Twenty One Savage dropped a song though, and it's not what I thought it was gonna be. Like I thought, I mean, I don't know. I feel like they did that just because like you know the outcries and stuff that came after like Twenty One said what he said. But I probably could have did without that song, no cap. <laughs> corny. That was corny. <laughs> also, 21 Savage needs to stop this. I Like, the whole capping campaign and then dropping right after. Like, he, he can go ahead and stop that, too. I, like, I'm ready for this entire rollout to kind of stop now. Like, it's just... I, I, like, I didn't need this collab, and I haven't even fully given it an honest listen. But just based off what you guys said, like I feel like I wasn't missing much. I didn't even listen to it. I just thought that it was corny that he just dropped the song. I was like, why, like, why did y'all drop a song? Like, we didn't think y'all was like beefing. Like, it's okay. <laughs> like, I don't know. It made me. It made me see like, I don't know. I want to say that y'all did it on purpose. It was forced. But, yeah, like, don't make it seem like a stage, man. Like, come on, bro. Just keep it natural. Keep it natural. <laughs> man, we're already past the after hour mark. Going at it. We did good, didn't we? Yeah, like we never left. Jeez, you know how you know how they say how it is when you going in from preseason into season. Man, Sean was um, I don't know. Like me and Eric, I admit, had our doubts about getting back into like the rhythm and whatnot. And Sean was the one that told. He said, "Bro, we know it's gonna be good to put out. So like, why are we even like stressing about it for real?" But it definitely proved that Sean was right and. I don't know, man. Like it just, I feel like the like the doubt came from like not being like in the setting so far because oh, in the setting so long because you know doing a broken record but doing a podcast is like similar in ways, but it's also like you know very different. So like you go from like talking about just one singular topic like bouncing off that, but now we're talking about different topics happening in the world, and you know you have to watch this what you say, you have to figure out like what exactly you're gonna say, like how's gonna tie into the conversation. So. It's definitely, I mean, the doubts were there, but as you can see, like, you know, the skill and, you know, the collaboration, the synergy, you know, is there as well. <laughs> and for the neighborhood, I want y'all to know, it's not like we didn't want to. We definitely, we definitely been trying to get back for a very, very long time. And, you know, you know, with the world changing, we just had to find out, you know, how, how this clog was going to continue to function. You know, when we built this machine early on, you know, we was all like a step away from each other. And, you know, here we are. We're going to make it work. We got bigger and better things on the way. So um, I appreciate y'all for being patient, coming fully loaded, so be prepared. I say, please talk about the toy drive that's coming up. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure, for sure. If Everybody, we are having our third annual, that's what I said, not first, second, but third annual. That shit seems kind of crazy. This is the third one. But we're definitely having our third annual uh, toy drive, weighted eight toy drive. We're gonna be at the YMCA on the twenty third. That is the pickup day. So we have up until the twenty second. If you want to donate toys, if you have any uh, toys that you already have, if they're in good condition, you can drop them off at any of our drop off locations. We have the flyer on the Instagram, and I feel like it's on Facebook as well. Uh, but other than that, y'all come out. Good vibes, good music. Toys, get your get your, make sure y'all get your baby something for Christmas, man. You know, me, me, Q, and Eric, we always talk about like holiday season is sometimes not a, a happy time for all families, so this really like something that was always important to us, so that's why we kind of always push it. And neighborhood, we really appreciate y'all because y'all always, y'all always support us every time, ever since the first toy drive. We've really been feeling y'all support for real, for real, so. We're really looking forward to making this one be the biggest one yet. But kind of like what Eric was saying, and uh, what Q touched on, definitely glad we back. Uh, I, I really, I really can't even say too much, man. We got a lot of stuff coming, bro. Like, so I'm really just gonna let, I'm, just, I'm really just gonna let it come, and then when it comes, y'all gonna be like, okay, because we really can't. It really ain't no reason to do no hitting around at it no more. Kind of like what uh, Q said, it, it kind of came back just like riding the bike, so. And and not do it, but to do it. And then uh, real quick, and just, just in regards to the toy drive, 
um, most of the drop-off spots are primarily in Florence, but if you're outside of that area and you're just looking to donate, feel free to reach out to any one of us on the Way They page, reach out to us individually. You know, we just want to make sure these kids have a good Christmas back home in the city. Like, they gave us us, and we want to make sure that we give back to the city. So anyway, any donation, any contribution, please hit us up. My bad, Q. Cash app is weight of the eight. Dollar sign, weight of the eight. Not hard. We already got some donations. Shout out to the people that's donated so far. You know, I have to shout y'all out in a special way, but you know who you are. And you know who you're, you know, not if you haven't donated yet. So we're we about, we, we about to pull up the list from last year that who donated and, and tap back in to see if they want to donate again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sean said riding the bike. So, you know, we did something special last year with the toy drive. I think we did it the first year too, but let that, let that be your first hint in connection with the toy drive is he, he is riding the bike. Hint, hint. Sheesh. <laughs> they ain't caught that one. They ain't caught that one. I like that. I like that. <laughs> you, you made the light bulb go off. I like it. <laughs> but yeah, this is uh, great to be back. Um, we can definitely say that we are uh, back with a, with a purpose, different purpose, but um, to close out this one, it's Marquise Q signing out. All right, man, y'all boys holding the road. Be easy. It's your boy, Raider Rashawn. And it's your boy, Easy e um, Again, we're just out here just trying to make sure we're sharing positive energy, just trying to put on for the state. Um, if you can do so in any way, please make sure that you're sharing Way to the Eight across any of the platforms that you follow us on, listening to us on. You know, we're just trying to make sure we extend our reach. What y'all don't know is we passed a big old milestone and hit past 10K, and it's up to y'all to make sure that we keep pushing past that. So let's continue to grow the neighborhood. Catch you on the next one. Peace.